Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Today we're going to be talking about the essentials, and I just thought it was fitting. The more I got into this week, the more essential kind of rose to the top of um, of my head and was in my chair time, and I couldn't shake it, especially as I was in Ephesians chapter 4 this week. And so, um, talking about essentials, Wednesday, we prayed for our essential workers, and that is everybody from uh, power plant workers to the front lines and the medical teams. And then Thursday, our redefined recognition was just that it was our essential workers, and we shouted out um, almost every title or topic that we could uh, that we prayed for on Wednesday. And so if you missed those, you can go back and find them on social media. And so then as we dive in today, um, I just thought it was very, very pressing before we kind of jump and look ahead to values that we kind of park today on what the essentials of the church are, what the essentials of our faith are. And in talking about the essentials and, and how this last week has gone, this last week, we were able to uh, provide a meal for 117 of our frontline hospital ER team, uh, medical teams or doctors or nurses. And uh, there was so much gratitude and so much love that came from being able to do that. We are thrilled to be a part of that. And um, where we are right now in our funding is uh, we set a goal to raise uh, $6,200 and we are at $3,634, now $3,634. The coolest story of all this is uh, two of, of the students who actually attend our church, Elena and Merritt, actually uh, one of them s- rode their scooter over here and gave $5 and Elena walked over and gave $5 toward the effort of what we're doing to feed uh, those overnight teams who are working at our local hospitals. I was so blown away by this uh, because the heart uh, that it takes, especially um, as a student to give away half the money you want in a card game, uh, is, is really pretty cool. And I believe what God's going to do to honor them back is going to be great. And so, uh, really, 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 um, just blown away by the kids. I like having kids like that in our church and that speaks volumes to, um, to who they are. And so, um, as we jump forward today, if you want to be a part of what we're doing with the COVID-19 relief efforts, just go to redefine church, uh, dot live and click the COVID-19 link. And before we move on, today is Merritt's 10th birthday. So Merritt, if you're watching, buddy, I know you are. Happy birthday. I hope you have a great day. hope you're not embarrassed because I'm talking about you. So last weekend, we talked about um, Jesus' last days on earth and really how uh, Peter was entrusted with the church. If you missed that message, please make sure you go back and catch it. It's on YouTube. And uh, if you're not subscribed already, you need to subscribe so you can just get those updates And before we jump into today's message, week two of what now, as we talk about the essentials, uh, we're going to take a moment and pray. So, Father God, I just uh, thank you for this time. Regardless of what time it is or what date is or where we find ourselves, Lord, we know that you're right here with us. And so we just invite you in. I ask you to open our ears and our hearts, Lord, to hear the message you would have for us. Help us to uh, take it. Let it be planted in our heart, Lord, so we can use it every day in our lives, so we can move forward in our faith with you to move forward in our relationship with you, Lord. I thank you for using me, for giving me the opportunity to share what you put on my heart. And uh, I ask you to help me to do it clearly and effectively. And I thank you, Lord, that people are going to move forward. They're going to find you and they're going to be um, propelled to do something, to be more than what they are with you, Lord, because they see great things 
from who you are and, um, and who you are as you work through people. And so I'm grateful for that today. Thank you for an amazing morning, amazing afternoon, wherever we're at, Lord. I just ask you to bless us and help us to take this word and use it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're a note taker, go ahead and grab your notebook. Uh, much like last week, I'm going to ask you to kind of lean in. We're going to kind of be all over. These messages, I feel like when we're at, at home, um, they're a lot more like Bible studies as they are as opposed to sitting inside of a Sunday church service. And so if you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. What is absolutely necessary when it comes to our faith, when it comes to the church? What is essential? What is essential? What is important for you to believe? That's kind of the third, making sure we, we kind of get all the way around this thing. This is incredibly uh, an incredibly delicate topic. And so I understand that we can be way too broad when we're talking about essentials. I know that the list can be forever long when we're talking about essentials. And I also know that the list can be very narrow. And we can be way too narrow in what we're, what we're describing as essentials. And so with anything, I'm going to ask you to be um, open-handed and open-minded to be willing to um, receive and to not be close-fisted or hard-hearted or trying to control. And in all reality, a great approach today would be like you didn't know anything. And let's just act like we've, we just found a relationship with God today. We just received Jesus. We're, we are seriously two weeks after the resurrection. We are in many aspects where the disciples were, right? And so put aside all the rituals and um, all the routines and all the rules and everything that you've had to follow in the past or followed in the past and just be open to receive and see who God is and what, what is essential when it comes to being the church. And so I wanted to jump into values this week is what I told you last week. But the more I looked about that, we can't jump into what we value unless we're sure of what we believe. And so we have to get to the basis of the root of what is the church. And so then what is the essentials? What are the essentials of the church, right? And so knowing very well that we are the church, right? The church is a body of people. We talked that last week. And so this question is crucial because it brings clarity to our faith and directing our path as followers. It helps us as disciples. And so the question is huge and it's something that we have to keep clear all the time. In 1902, a reverend and author, Augustus Schultze said that we are all, that we all, we, that we all must believe three things. And here they are. If you're taking notes in essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. In the essentials, unity, one church. In the non-essentials, freedom, right? Liberty. And in all things, love. This does not answer the question of what is essential, but it does give a guide on how to treat everything that is not essential, right? And so what is negotiable in in the church? What is negotiable in your faith and what is not? Is that a thin line to you? Is it blurry? Is it hazy? Or is it rock solid? And you know where the line ends. When you ask people what is essential, you're going to get a couple of answers. You're going to get uh, believing in Jesus. Or you're going to get the harder individuals are going to say, well, I believe in God. Isn't that good enough? Like, that's all I need to believe in, right? It's just, I believe in God. What else do I need? Or you're going to find somebody who can recite you something that's been in their house for generations and generations. And that's really good. Those things that, that we say, especially with whole, full hearts for God, are amazing. 
But if they're saying and it's and it's empty, or or they're writing on the coattails of somebody else's faith, well, my grandma was this, right? And you can put any any label in that box. Um, well, you know, my great great grandpa helped build this church, and so that means I'm covered. Well, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. So just because somebody else was doesn't mean that you are, right? And so what is essential? Sometimes we confuse our relationship with God with rules or routines or really or really just kind of rote religion. And so many people think that we can't answer this question, what is essential, without offending somebody. We can't answer this question without making everybody happy because right now in today's world, everybody has to be okay with everything. Everybody has a voice. And here's the thing, they're 100% accurate. You cannot ask this question and make everybody happy. And that's why we're talking about it today. Okay. And so, because it's easy today to be less interested in the truth and more interested in new discovery. We want to lean and dig into those new discoveries, right? And because the Bible has been around for centuries and, and, and thousands of years, um, it's really hard to like it because we're so used to it. We're so used to it. And so it's really easy to jump into one of those new discoveries. And what we see when we start digging on these, these new bins or these new kind of alleys or cracks in the foundation is they shake and unsettle the church. And this creates division and it causes us to look at how we're different, which are the non-essentials. It causes us to look at what we don't do the same. Why are we not the same? It causes us to look at how we practice, right? What we do. We look at the different religions. We look at the different denominations. We look at the different races and the different cultures. And we look at the church across the street and what are they doing? And we look at the church across town and what are they doing, right? And none of that has to do with our faith. None of that has to do with who the church is called to be. And so it's easy as a believer to feel that the church or your faith, um, our beliefs are ever changing. And so the rock that you used to stand on is likely to feel like quicksand. And to be honest with you, that's why the church uh, continues to lose people because just not sure. There's separation. When I look at the Christian faith and all of the denominations, if even the people who call themselves believers can't agree, how, how can I as an outsider look and say, which one do I choose? Right? And it's because we're torn apart on what is non-essential. And so in your personal relationship with God, if you find that you're in this place where what you used to think was solid, what was concrete is not. And um, you want to sure up your footing. All you have to do is simply ask yourself this question. If you're taking notes, it's a good thing to write down. Um, this is something that I, that I go over in my uh, chair time in the mornings. And it's simply this. Is my focus to see God working? Is my focus to see God working or to make people happy? Which, what's my approach today? Because we're going one of those two, two ways. Because when I look for God, when I see, he says, if you seek, you'll find. When I look for God, I believe that I always find that I'm enough. When you look for God, you're going to find that you're enough and that you have enough. You'll always have enough. But when you compare yourself to people, you'll never be enough and you'll never have enough. So then, is your focus to see God working in your life or to make people happy? 
This is true in our church as we uh, compare to across the street or even inside the same de- denomination or even inside our churches when we show up and we say, well, how, why, is, why, is, why is he sitting there? How come she gets to go there? What are they wearing? Who do they think they are? This is what causes division, right? And what you need to know is comparing steals your contentment. If you're in constant comparison, you're never going to be one. You're never going to be uh, in unison or in unity, right? And so you can't be happy or grow in your relationship with God because your focus has drifted and it's gone to the waves and it's not on Jesus' face. And Jesus said, just seek me. Just remain in me. Just live in me. Just be about me. And we can't help but look at the waves and that's why we sink, right? Do you remember in John 17 in uh, verse 21 through 23 where Jesus prays for the believers? He's praying for us in this passage. And um, I promise this is the last time we'll look at this for a while. But he says this, it's so important in in the essentials of our faith, in the essentials of the church, the capital C church. He says, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us. I have given them glory. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one so the world may know you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved. Oh, sorry. You have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Sorry about that. What you see here is Jesus is praying for unity, that we would be one body, the church, the same church that Jesus entrusted to Peter. Not caught up in the house of what we do or what or where, but really stuck on the why to get caught up in the who, really. It's who, that we would rally around the essentials of our faith. Jesus is praying that we would all see ourselves as his creation in his image becoming believers and maturing into followers that become disciples. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is um, talking about uh, unity and diversity in the body of Christ. Paul is in prison at this time when he's writing this. And as Paul writes, he says this. He says, I urge you then... As one who follows and serves the Lord, live a life that, it, that measures up to the standard God set when he called you. Always be humble, gentle, and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. Do your best to preserve the unity which the Spirit gives by the means of the peace that binds you together. There is one body and one Spirit, just as there is one hope to which God has called you. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God and Father of all people who is Lord of all, works through all, and is in all. Each one of us has received a special gift in proportion to what Jesus has given. As the scripture says, when he went up to the very heights, he took many captives with him. He gave them, he gave gifts to people. Now, what does he went up mean? It means he must at first came down to the lowest depths of the earth. So the one who came down is the same one who went up above and beyond the heavens to fill the whole universe, the whole universe with his presence, the whole meaning us, we, one. 
It was he who gave the gifts to people. He appointed some to be apostles, others to be prophets, others to be evangelists, others to be pastors and teachers. He did this to prove all God's people, to prepare all God's people for ministry. Verse 12, he did this to prepare all of God's people for ministry. Don't let that freak you out. He did this in order to build up the body of Christ, body of Christ, the church, all people for ministry, the church. Why? Because we're to go into the world, right? And so we shall all come together. Verse 13, we shall all come together to that oneness in our faith and in our knowledge of the Son of God, we shall become mature people reaching to the very height of Christ's full stature. Followers. That's what he's saying. Disciples. Then we shall no longer be children carried by the waves and blown about by every shifting wind of uh, the teaching or deceitful people who lead others into error by the tricks they invent. Instead, by speaking the truth in a spirit of love, we must grow up in every way to Christ who is the head. Last verse, verse 16. Under his leadership, all the different parts of the one body fit together and the whole body is held together by every joint with which it is provided. We're talking about the church. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. So then let's go back to um, Augustus's uh, clause or the, the saying, the quote that he has, he says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. Love covers all, right? So what are the essentials? There are three essentials. God the Father and our Creator, number one. God the Father and our Creator. This means you must have personal trust, conviction, and obedience to God. It's a process. It's Psalms 73.25. David says, Who do I have if I do not have you, God? And so without personal trust, conviction, or obedience, it doesn't matter what we confess or what we do. If it is not with that heart, it's fruitless. It's fruitless without the belief, right? I believe in God the Father. You've, we've all sang this. This must be with heart of trust and conviction. When it is, when it is like that, I believe in God the Father with everything that we have. We then wake up every day believing that God is my God, that He loves me more than anything, that He knows me more than anyone, that He can and does reveal Himself to me regularly, that He opens my heart, that He hears my prayer, and that He directs my way when we approach God with trust, conviction, and obedience. And that is reverence, and we talked that a couple weeks ago in Remain How. If you missed that series, you need to go back. It'll help you in your relationship with God. The second thing, the second essential, Jesus the Son. Jesus the Son, this is our Savior, right? Savior of the world. God created the world, created you. Jesus saved us. We believe He lived a sinful, a sinless life. We believe he was crucified, buried, and resurrected. That he died for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It's the biggest thing. That's our justification is that he rose again. This is the foundation of our salvation. This is the foundation of our salvation. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You'll find it in Romans uh, chapter 10, 
verse 9 and 10. This is it. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that, you, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Jesus, the Son, our Savior. That's the second essential. The third essential is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our gift. This is God's Spirit in us. This is not a message about the Holy Spirit, so do not freak out. We're not going that direction. And so what we want to know, what you need to know about the Holy Spirit is, is this is our assurance of adoption as children of God. This is God's Spirit. And because of that assurance, because of our adoption, because of the gift of Jesus, right, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, every day we get to experience God's love, God's favor, God's grace, and God's mercy in our lives. This allows us to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding because we trust in the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Could somebody please tell me? You'll find this in the Bible, and I'm just going to paraphrase really quickly for time. Faith, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, discernment, your prayer language. This has also been called speaking in tongues or other languages or this is what one, this is the one thing that people think the Holy Spirit is. And it's not that he is not, but there are so many other gifts of the Spirit, not just a prayer language. Okay. And God gives gifts to some and some to others. And so it's not really about any of these. It's about all of these and where you are in your, in your journey, because God wants to give you these gifts, right? The others, preaching, teaching, prophecy, evangelism, healing, and miracles. And then because the Holy Spirit's a gift, it also comes with action, right? And so these are the fruits. These fruits are action steps, but they come out of relationship. The fruits come and are started with relationship. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if all that totally blows your mind, you're like, it's too much. Okay, here's what you know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers you to become everything that God created you to be. He allows you to walk in it. That's it. So when you pray the prayer of salvation, you actually receive God's Spirit. So it's already there, right? So the essentials are this. God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. They're all God. They're all one. It's also known as the Trinity. Again, says so really, you can find a ton of essential lists, but what I feel like we've done today is really got to the root and the base of what we believe. Okay. After this comes the Bible and a lot of the things that we do in the church. But as we dig into what is essential, these three are it. Okay. These three are it. And then everything kind of grows and goes from there. And so if we know that those are the essentials, so what are the non-essentials? And the non-essentials of the church or the non-essentials of our faith or your relationship, first thing you need to know is none of the non-essentials are bad. None of them are wrong. Um, none of them are anything to get bent out of shape about. That's what you need to know. Okay. And so as you look at the non-essentials, here's what you need to know. In considering what is non-essential, it is really distinguishing between principles to be followed and facts to be accepted or rejected. Followed, accepted, or rejected. It's distinguishing between the method that is to be applied to the matters of our faith and the matter itself or the matters themselves. 
It is the basis of acceptance in religious truth. Uh, the authority upon which we rest our convictions. It is understanding that the method of testing what is to be believed or not believed may change. It's understanding that it will change. And then it's probably going to change again because the non-essentials do change. And that's okay. Again, the non-essentials are nothing to get bent out of shape about, to leave your church about, or to get mad at some guy across town or across the street about, right? So what are the non-essentials? And here they are. Everything else. Everything else. Now, before you turn me off, if it doesn't have to do with God the Father, your Creator, Jesus' Son, your Savior, and the Holy Spirit, who is your gift, who empowers you to walk a life full of fulfillment, right? And it doesn't matter. It's non-essential. It has nothing to do with your belief. It has, it's an action. It's, it has, it's a how, right? The non-essentials are the hows. And so God asks us this. He said to be in unity about Him, right? He says, have no other gods before me. So then a how cannot be a God. A how is a how. And so what we do inside the church, how we operate a role in our relationship with God, he says, have no other gods before me. And then again, our mission statement, to lead people to live in a relationship with others, you need to be Matthew 22, 37 through 39. He says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. He says, love me with everything you have. And he says, love others as you love yourself, you'll do these two things. You'll find that you're obeying all the other commands. And so, have another God's before me. And so you say, wait a second, it's too much. Okay. And this is about the time we start getting, a, you know, getting the death grip on uh, who we are and what we do. And here's what I want to challenge you about. You would say, Dusty, well, what about worship? What about worship? And I would say, however you want. However you want. If you want to wear uh, a robe, if you want to wear your favorite color, if you want to wave a flag, if you want to have a tambourine, if you want to play the electric guitar, right? If you want to have drums, if you want to be in jeans, if you want to have lights, God said he does not care. He said, make a joyful noise. That's what he said. It's Psalms 100. Just enter. He says, enter with thanksgiving and praise. What about worship? Enter with thanksgiving and praise. Okay. Just make a joyful noise. Okay. Worship, we've kind of danced around a bit for, for, for you know, decades, right? Centuries. And so every time a new instrument comes out, we think it's like the devil's, the devil's instrument. And it's not about that. It's not about how, don't you know when they were digging ditches, they would have loved to have some 70s rock music playing. You know, you know that they would have. Okay. And so what about communion? Here it is. Communion is very specific. It is bread and the cup, right? But it does not say you must have 16 rows of equal. You must have one cup. You must have all of this. What did Jesus say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't lay out, a, hey, X, Y, Z, and, and this guy goes first and this guy goes second. We all got to, that, that is a non-essential. How you take communion is up to you. He just said, do this in remembrance of me. And the last example I'll use is where we meet. Where we meet. Where do you want to meet? Right now we're meeting all across the country in houses, living rooms, in my basement. My office is actually coming together. Finally. Where you meet. Here's what he said. I don't care if you meet in a school, if you meet in the gym, 
if you mean a cafeteria, if you mean a church, if you spend $20 million on a building, doesn't care, okay? What he says is do not neglect to meet together. Do not neglect to meet together. There's something special that happens when we all come together. Can I just tell you that I miss you like crazy? I miss people. I miss worship. I miss you. There's something special that happens when you gather in a room of believers who are ready to charge the gates of hell and make a difference to be this, to be the church, right? And so what we, the church, have to realize is that we've created a lot of great traditions, and traditions are good. Again, there's nothing bad about this. We've made a lot of great routines, right? And we've created a lot of great house, a lot of great house. None of them are wrong. Not This is not a conversation of right and wrong. It's essential and non-essential. What is an absolutely must-have and what is eh, just honor, right? And so it's not wrong. It's, God's not concerned with the how. He's concerned with the who. It's the motive, right? In the non-essentials, liberty, freedom, right? Freedom. Because we're the church. And so we're to press into as people who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and learn, learn. This is our discipleship model. Learn all we can of Him, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? This is reading the Bible. This is a daily chair time with God. This is fellowship with other believers. Then we are to live like him. Number two, live like him. How do we do this? Follow. Just follow him. Be an example in word, deed, purity, and faith, and charity. Everything you do, live like him. Follow him. And then ultimately lead like him. Make disciples. Why? Because we're called to go into all the world. To go into all the world. Make disciples. It's what Jesus meant when he prayed that we'd be one. I reference this in the beginning of the message. In the essentials, unity. Be together. Be together. If every church on the face of the earth would rally around our essentials, Jesus would come back because everyone would hear. Everyone would hear. We wouldn't be stuck in comparison. In the non-essentials, liberty. Freedom. Freedom in the non-essentials. What does this mean? God just says, honor me with your how. Just honor me with your how or your houses. And in all things, love. In all things, love. You know, we're at the third point right now. In all things, love. The Apostle Luke said, the essentials of humanity are faith, hope, and love. Notice that these three actions begin with relationship. They're not a long list of things to do. They start with a who. And so many of you have heard this before. I'm not even going to tell you where it's at in the Bible. You might know it too good. And so if you would, I just want you to listen to what this says. If I speak a human or angelic language, but I do not have love, I am sounding a gong or clanging a cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods, feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. 
is not provoked. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end as well. For we are no, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctively as in a mirror, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known by God. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In all things, love. I close with a story. I'm part of a couple of uh, men's Bible study groups here in Gross Point. And these groups that I'm a part of are very, very unique because um, we get to sit around uh, a circle with people of all ages. I'm most of the times uh, one of the youngest, if not the youngest in the room. And um, different denominations, different races, different cultures. And so it never gets really heated. Both groups are very, very different groups, but in the same sense, we have a lot of the same caliber and types of people in the rooms. And nobody gets bent out of shape really hardly ever. But this one time, but this one time, we got close. It was my one-year anniversary here, our one-year anniversary here. I was leading by myself, so it was just me. And I stepped in the room to read John chapter 14. And I have the Version Bible out, so I have my cell phone out. And I'm like, okay, guys, today we're going to be in John 14. And I point out these three scriptures. I say, let's just go around the room. And we'll go around the room. And there's, there's, you know, 17 to 20 people there. And we get all the way around. And as we're going around, I'm trying to follow along with my Bible. And when I'm on my Bible, I'm uh, reading the Living Bible Translation. So, man, I'm just lost. I'm so lost. And I'm the leader, right? And so I'm kind of shuffling a little bit. I'm like, oh, I can't, like I've, I'm, I'm leading this conversation. I have no clue where we're at. And we're, we just keep, and we're just reading different versions of the Bible. There's nothing wrong with that. And we get back to the, to the end and it's like kind of quiet. And I realize everybody's looking at me and I'm still trying to find my way. And so we got back. Um, I closed my phone and I put it in my pocket and I said, I said, Hey, and this was how the day went. I said, Hey, can you tell me why you read the version of the Bible you read. Let's just go around the room and, and let's everybody kind of share why we read that version. And so many different answers from you. You can guess all of them. This is what my dad gave me. Uh, this is what my pastor gave me. This is what, you know, my aunt, my crazy aunt Faye gave me from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, all that. That's what you, that's what, that's what we got. And as we talked about this and we went around the room it started to get a little bit controversial. Well, we read this because of this. And, that, and, and it started, and we just kind of started ratcheting each other up. And I thought about, um, if you've ever heard the story of Grandma's Ham, if you've ever heard the story, this is, is so similar. Um, 
husband and wife are in the kitchen. The wife is preparing dinner. The wife's preparing the ham. And as she goes to put the ham in the oven, the husband's sitting at the kitchen table and he's just hanging out. They're having a conversation. And he notices his wife cuts the like an inch and a half or two inches off the end of the ham before she puts it in the oven. And, you know, this is what men do, right? What are you doing that for? And so um, she says, I don't know. She said, this is something that my mom's always done. And he goes, huh. And so he says, you know what? You should call and ask her. I'd like to know why, you know? And so she had never thought about it. And so she calls her mom and her mom says, um, oh, honey, that's, we've just always done that. That's just something, that's just what my mom did. And her mom, these is a newly married couple. And so her mom is well into her eighties. And, and so, um, the girl's mom called her grandma and, she said, Grandma, can you tell me why we cut the ends of the ham off when, when we bake it in the oven? And uh, she said, oh, girl, she goes, That's, we didn't have a pan big enough to hold the ham, so I had to cut the ends off. And that was what I was reminded of that day when we were going around the room. Is like, we're doing this. We've created this process. We've created this, this kind of uh, system or this is just what we do. And we've, we've distanced ourselves from the why. We've distanced ourselves from the why. And, and what it leads to is, is lack of understanding. And now I can't even understand clearly because I bought into this process, right? And so after we were around the room, we were ratcheted up. It was getting pretty fiery. And my friend Moses, Moses is from Uganda. And it was amazing. He says, he's been quiet the whole time. That's what he does. He's sitting back. Sometimes you don't know if he's awake or not, okay? He's sitting back and he says, you know what? He says, when you tell me that your version is better than my version, all you're saying is your way is better than mine. And I thought it's absolutely correct that your church is better than my church, that your God is better than my God, that your denomination is better than my denomination. And we get real hot, real high and real proud on on the how right and there is only one way if you read ephesians chapter 4 there's only one way and i can't help but think that as we've all got our own separate house and our own separate non-essentials that we've distanced ourselves from the essentials that we lack understanding and we lack clarity and the 60 percent of our country who's done with the church who's not attending church right now and the 80% of the city that we live in is not going to church. They're looking at us thinking, what the heck? How could I ever go to this church or that church or that church? These guys all claim to be followers. They all claim to be believers, but none, they can't even agree themselves. So why would I jump into that circle? Why would I hitch myself to that wagon? Right? And so... When we get caught up in our house, when we get caught up in the non-essentials, we lose it. And let me say this about the two men's groups that I'm in. It's amazing. It's amazing. The reason that men can come together in a room, regardless of denomination or faith or where they come from or what age they are or what they look like or what country they're from, is because these two groups, one, have great leadership, but two... They believe in the essentials. God the Father, we gather in a circle today because we can all agree that God's our Father, He's our Creator, that Jesus is the Son, He's our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, 
who lives in us, empowers us to walk. And those two groups can agree on that. And that's what the conversation is about. And that's what makes them special. It's what makes them real groups. We should all be so fortunate to be part of groups like that. Here's what I believe. I believe if we would all rally, regardless of denomination, race, culture, color, any of those things, if we would all rally around the essentials, we would see a real revival happen in the world, not just in America, in the world, that people would set aside their house and focus on the who, that we would start to see followers, that people would start to jump on board, right? It wouldn't be a manufactured revival. Hey, revival starts over here. It would be, it would happen. And we, the church would have to catch up. We would have to catch up. It wouldn't be planned because we wouldn't be planning it. We would just be being it. And when we, when we be it, when we are it, it happens based on the essentials of our faith. So here's your action step this week. I close with this. It's Ephesians. You need to read or reread Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 13. You knew it was 1 Corinthians 13 the whole time. Here's the scripture that we're closing with. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says this. As you go out, always be humble gentle, and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. Do your best to uh, to persevere. No, sorry. Do your best to preserve the unity which the Spirit gives by means of the peace that brings you together. Unity that brings you unity that makes you one. We must set our pride aside. Get real and be honest with ourselves about what is essential in our relationship with God. What is essential in the church? Because we are the church. It's us. It's us. So this will bring unity. And we will rally around the essentials. And then we will see people coming to faith. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.